curious to see how many fathers we actually have here. In fact, I will dare to have you stand up because we want to honor the fathers. Please. Here we are. And keep standing tall because you are very special. I'm standing too. And uh, the reason I'm standing because my father stood up for what he believed as a good father and he, believe it or not, and my mother happened to have nine boys and five girls. Fourteen in the family. So how many of you fathers have 14 in your family? Neither do I, even though my father had 14. Uh, all we did is, I asked my wife, I said, uh, should we have 14 children like my father did? She said, no way. And so we just decided to just take one off. So we have four instead of 14. We took one off. Is that okay? So thank you very much for standing, and we will honor you many times as we proceed with our worship service. Thank you. I don't know whether you know it or not, but uh, my Bible says here the fact that you and I are going to study of how you fathers really begun, how you started. And uh, it says right there in the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, believe it or not, chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 1, it says, in the beginning, fathers, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you remember in Genesis, it tells us of how God created every day what he did. It was good. But finally, when he created Adam and Eve, it says it was very good. And I think it was good when he created Adam. Because you remember how God created Adam? Can you imagine God bowing down and out of the dust of the earth formed Adam and then he breathed into him the breath of life and the Bible says that Adam became a living soul. So I guess when a person dies, it reverses. God takes back the breath of life and the person goes back to dust. There's a whole study on that in the Bible. It's, a, it's very interesting. But when God created Adam, he breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Do you think that God could have looked at Adam and said, you know what, I think I can do better. So he created Eve. So you ladies are on our two. Uh, it, it, God has ways of doing things that is marvelous. So when you and I look at the scriptures and find out that how good God is, that we are actually made in his image, that's what the Bible says, it is amazing that God made Adam and Eve, put him in the Garden of Eden, and he wanted them to dress it and enjoy it and to think that they were the first people on the face of this earth in the Garden of Eden and God made the Garden of Eden beautiful and he put him there to enjoy the Garden of Eden forever and ever and ever and ever if they choose that so God made all of us with the power of choice and we exercise it very interestingly but God made it very clear to Adam and Eve that they're in the Garden of Eden to enjoy it and to replenish the earth. That's what the Bible says. And there they were in the Garden of Eden, and they were to be there forever and ever and ever. But he did say to them that they can enjoy everything 
and eat of every tree, the fruit thereof, except that one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, they should not partake of it. If they do, God told them, they shall surely die. And nowhere did he say that if they feel sorry or confess, then God will forgive them. It just seemed like he made it very clear that that's the consequences of making the wrong choice. So, what happened? Adam and Eve separated, and Eve partook of the fruit, the forbidden fruit. Interesting what happened. And you and I, as fathers, mothers, see the results here on this earth of what happened way back there. And I think if you and I look at the scriptures completely, fully, the Bible gives us all the information and then tells us the consequences of all the generations we've had for some 6,000 years and what the end result will be. But 2,000 years ago, for God so loved the world, so loved you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how God loves you and me, in a marvelous way, because he made each one of us in his image. So, reading the scriptures and realizing how beautiful God is and how wonderful that he made us in his own image, he wants us to have eternal life, but it was done only through Christ who came to this world some 2,000 years ago, lived, and then was crucified on Calvary's cross, and he's the one that died the death for you and for me, so that we should not So this is the scriptures that all people that read them see clearly how beautiful, how wonderful, how knowledgeable, how God wants all of us to have that eternal life that is so wonderful and so great. So as we look into the scriptures, and I'll go through it more fully, I'd like to share with you of how God tells us that in Malachi 2.10 that we have one Father and the one God who created us is in Malachi 2.10. So why do we sometimes oppose each other and make it miserable for each other when somehow the Bible tells us that we only have one father. Sure, you and I have our father. I just told you about my father. It so happened that my father and mother came from Europe, never learned how to read or write. They came to the province of Saskatchewan, and it so happened that uh, in those days there's no TV and nothing. In fact, there's uh, one time that uh, a man came to our place and uh, uh, in a vehicle, a salesman, and we all kids out to the farm found our way where we were hiding, and it so happened that. Uh, my father met the man 10 miles out of town. And uh, when my father met him, he looked at my dad and all at once one boy, another boy, another girl came out. And all at once my, 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 my dad looked and here are all his children. And this man, salesman, looked at my dad and said, uh, so who's visiting you? 
And my dad said, well, no, that, they're all my children. Well, how many do you have? And my father said, 14. And my father looked at the man, and he looked at my father and said, boy, you must believe in the Bible. In the Bible, it says, replenish the earth, and you're doing a good job of it. And uh, it so happened that my father, at that time, knew nothing about the Bible. Yes, we did go to church, but we never owned a Bible. Uh, and it so happened that uh, my father, uh, since then, he learned a lot. So much so that he even learned how to read the Bible. That's the only book that he ever read, the Bible. He learned how to read. My father never learned how to, my mother never learned how to read or write. Raising 14 children, she actually never signed her name, just put an X when she, uh, uh, when she got her old age pension. And she did die at the age of 88, and my dad lived until 92. But unfortunately, my dad, at the age of 13, began to smoke and drink and uh, wasn't an alcoholic, but very close to it. And it so happened that my dad was pretty rough at home with my mother, with the children. But there's some things that he did that was very fortunate, very interesting. In fact, after spending two years in the Catholic college, I happened to uh, be introduced to a possibility of going to a Seventh Adventist college. And, uh, and my mother and I opposed my mother, I mean, I opposed very strongly for going to a Seventh Adventist college, but my uh, mother pleaded with me to go. And I used every excuse possible until I finally said, my mother, my father, having 14 children on a farm, I knew that there's no way he can pay for my school bill. So I said to my mother, if he pays my school bill, I'll go. And it didn't take long before my father walked in. And my mother immediately told him what we talked about. And she said, Dan said that he's willing to go to a seven-minute school if you pay for the bill. And my father said, sure. And he wasn't drunk when he said it. So it's amazing that how my father made some choices early in life that helped me and there were times where I said, there's no way that my father was any model for me. And yet, I can say that the choices he made at times was a real blessing to me, a real blessing. So uh, you and I have fathers and mothers. And our parents tried their best with the knowledge they had to be the kind of a father that they wished we had. But they tried their best. Just the same as you and I are trying our best, and those of you who stood up to be fathers, to be proper fathers. But here we're told that God is our father. And this is why you and I have to make sure that we acknowledge God as our heavenly father. That's why in the prayer that you read for the scripture reading, it said, our father which art in heaven. That's the ideal father. That's the one who gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is interesting how when you read the scriptures, reread them constantly, it is amazing how good God is and how he wants you and me to learn more and more about him. Now, it's rather interesting that in the scriptures, Romans 6, 23, it does say something that is not the most positive, but it's true. 
It says the wages of sin is death. Acts 2.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we might be saved. Saved from sin. Saved to have eternal life. John 3.16 says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it was Jesus who, the Son of God, here on this earth, taken upon himself human flesh, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Rather interesting that in John 10, 27, 28, it says, my sheep hear my voice, and that's your choice, to be the sheep of his pasture. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. What is that? Eternal life is something where you don't have any sorrow, no death, no weakness. You have eternal life forever and ever and ever. And each day becomes better and better and better and better. How do you explain that? I guess our human mind could not really conceive what that really means. And then to think that we will be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, to make sure that we will be changed into the image of God the way God originally wanted us to have that eternal life. And then in John, 1 John 5, 11, it says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son through Jesus Christ he gives us that eternal life so reading so many bible verses that are so encouraging and so wonderful and may I read a few more he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God does not have life. That's the biblical explanation of how God loves you and he wants you to make the choice of having the Son of God as our eternal life. And then John 5, 24, he that hath, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me in other words, God wants us to believe in God through Jesus Christ. He has eternal life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You, you know, and I know, that we are here. We've been born, raised. We get older. And you know what happens when we get older. Sooner or later, we will become incapacitated, and as a result, we have to deal with the end. In fact, I still remember hearing a story of where two young boys in college <coughs> knew that they could have the privilege of going to their grandma's place out in the country for a vacation after school ended. So they went there and uh, they had their room and uh, it got dark and the boys were just about ready to go to sleep, but they were excited to their grandma's place and they were so excited that they were up until 11, 11.30. And they were just ready to go to bed. All at once the door was open and they looked and the light in grandma's room was just open, the door was just open, and they saw the light, and there she was, still awake. The light was on at 11.30. So one of the boys said, why don't you go and check to see what, what, what she's doing? And uh, 
The other one said, no, I can feel them. So finally, one of them went and peeked in and looked, came back. And what do you think the boy said to the other one? He said, you know, I saw Grandma reading the Bible. I think she's cramming for the finals. <laughs> so there is such a thing as coming to the end of the road and uh, you're cramming. Whereas we could also just make sure we're studying the word of God and we don't have to cram. And I know what I'm talking about because I'm 90. Anybody over 90 here? The oldest man here. But yeah, she is, but that's she. I am the oldest man. She's the oldest lady. Uh, 90. Seven? 97. What a blessing. What a blessing. I wasn't talking about you cramming for the finals. But you know, that's the way life is. And the more we learn about what happens when you get older, what happens when you die, what happens if there is a resurrection, and I believe there is, and is there eternal life through Christ? Of course, all those things are there. And it's so positive, it's so great, it's so good that I get excited. In fact, we're told, and research has proven, the fact that people who are settled, who are calm, who are at ease, who enjoy life, who know that there is eternal life, seem to live longer and healthier. And uh, if perchance something happens with the world that we're in, where we have uh, sicknesses of all kinds, diseases, that we know how to cope with those diseases to the extent we're not worrying. What, what's the difference between a few years or a few months or 90 years? or 100 years, it's so quick. And time goes by so quickly that it's not a matter of how long you live and how much you have gained and how much you have earned and how wealthy you are or all the property that you have. The point is, really, what kind of a character are you developing? And is God going to look at you as if to say he is safe to be in heaven. Because you know what happened in heaven. Lucifer being made, and the Bible is full of it, the most wonderful angel of all. And yet that is where the great controversy, where he challenged God that he wasn't really doing the job that he should be, and he wanted to be like God or even above God. So when you learn all of those things, and incidentally, we have in the fellowship hall, and those of you who, uh, and I hope all of you will stay for the meal, uh, will look at the whole chart from the beginning to the end, a chart that's biblical, and you will look at it and say, oh my, I've never seen anything like this before. So by all means, feel free to look at it and enjoy it. So let me continue on and uh, let you know that uh, I have prepared a lot and I still have a lot of time. So what is it that is so important about uh, life? Second Peter 3.18 refers to being growing in grace. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the counsel that I have received and I've been very happy ever since. Second Peter 1, 2 says, grace and peace. I tell you, this world is getting really frustrated, very concerned about the economy, 
politics, you name it, around the world, everything is just about coming to a head. And yet there are people who are very peaceful, content, and uh, know what they believe, and uh, know what the future holds. And God has in the Bible so many things about the future. And there it says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then John 17.3 says, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17.3. You know, I think, if I may just share with you a Bible verse in Revelation where it is amazing how you have, and I just read from Genesis 1.1, and then we are looking at Revelation, and Revelation 14.6 says this, special message, and I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven. Now an angel represents a message from God, from heaven, having the everlasting gospel, not a new gospel, but the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. You're hearing it now. You'll hear it before your lifetime ends many times. And here it is, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Again, referring to the fact that all of us are made to worship the God who made Adam and Eve and made you. We have within us that something that we were going to worship somebody, somehow or another. And here, God is telling us to worship the true God and only him. So, 2 Peter 1.4, rather interesting, where it says on how we should worship and what that worship will do to us and how we will be developing a character that is safe to save. It says, and add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, which is self-control, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, which is love. so beautifully put in such a way that you and I can truly say, you know, those development of characters is something that I would really want. And I made that decision that I wanted. I've been working at it, not by my own works, but believing in God that he who has created me will help me to be restored back to his image in such a way that uh, I will have eternal life. What is charity? Love. And uh, what is love? Well, love is something that is so beautiful. It is a God-given love. For God so loved the world. And if we have love that is very godly, it is beautiful. If we have what we call a superficial love, where we have some type of infatuation, uh, you know what the end result could be and sometimes is. Uh, but he that lacketh these things is miserable. The Bible says is blind and cannot see afar off, 
and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And 2 Peter 1.8 says, For if these things be in you, those things that I've just read about love and control and so forth and so on, that ye shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God has ways of dealing with us, giving us the help and the guidance and the knowledge that we need. I think I should read to you one of the verses that is so meaningful to me. And that's the one in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or as a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then, face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And now abided faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest is love. You know, it's rather interesting that... Uh, All of you are here and you're listening to this old 90-year-old. And I don't know whether you've ever heard a 90-year-old preacher before. I'm so pleased that God has spared my life because there are many times that it came just that close, just that close. At the age of 22, I got poorly. My wife was the one, no children, got polio. She treated me with the knowledge that she had, giving me fomentation. She gave me three fomentations. And she knew by then I should be sweating, perspiring. And she simply prayed, what do I do now? Because she took nursing enough to know that that is what one should do. So she prayed, and God told her to give him another one. She gave me another fermentation. I was still, my temperature was going higher and higher. And then she prayed again, should I give another one? She gave me another one. And she gave me more. And then I broke out. And the doctor tells me that that was the night 
to have my wife not giving me full impatience. My word of God, paralysis, and left really poorly. And there were other times where I knew that there was a time where an accident could have happened head on, you name it, and I was spared. And you come to the place where you wonder why. Well, maybe because of this occasion that God spared my life until now. So glad that you're all here. A surprise to me because I thought that there would just be a few good visitors and here I am looking at you and saying, what a blessing. And those of you who were invited here, would you mind coming, you know? I would like to have some of you share something that will be a real blessing. Wouldn't you come and just have this on? Please. Hi there. I'm uh, Claire, and I'm Stephen Patty's daughter. And I'm wearing a dress that my father bought me a long time ago. And this is in honor of my parents. And... Um, just some thoughts, you know, um, parents aren't perfect, mine weren't perfect, and I know that um, they probably are worried that we remember all the bad things, and sometimes we do, but uh, right now we're remembering the good things, and I hope that anybody that's in our home will hopefully remember the good things. Good. Um, and so I just had two things. and never making fighting uh, between you two dealing with us uh, allowing me to help on projects teaching me to work hard spending time with me that's my love language so I like spending time with people uh, working in the garden Sunday mornings all the math and reviewing the times tables again and again every day on the way to school uh, teaching me how to eat spaghetti with a fork and spoon, walking with me, climbing mountains, uh, stories about Copper and Shorty for my name. I love it. Um, associating work with having fun, walks at Oxnard on Sabbath afternoon, love of food, durian, quail eggs, and sticky rice, giving me fantastic gifts on my birthday, Bring, bringing gifts when you return from a trip, playing with us, having Christmas at the beach many years, taking us to Nick and Nazian, camping in Arusha Game Park, fixing things especially on the roof, having a great smelling pillow with your Indian perfume, eating at Motu Mahal, an Ethiopian restaurant, taking us to the beach, feeding us Bombay Bell, getting us our favorite dog, Sitar. <laughs> For providing fun, uh, one time he brought a durian to the table and we had uh, a visitor who thought that was a horrible idea and was waving her handkerchief in front of her. <laughs> um, yeah, never a dull moment around there. Uh, for for being able to express emotion and be able to cry sometimes. And for um, selling avocados to put me through academy and part of college. For loving people and knowing no strangers. For helping me enjoy people, so I did well while portering. Bringing interesting people home fresh to me. And anytime we got, had dinner invitations, uh, making sure that the delicious hostess um, taught us how to make the food that we were having. Um, loving mom and promising you would never leave us. Telling the flower girl that she would be a bride someday. 
and honoring my freshman, James Caldew, um, and for our wonderful high school. Does that inspire anybody else to come here and just say, hey, I just want to thank my father. Please, here we come. Thank you so much. introduce myself. My name is Mustafa. Originally, I came from Iraq, which is considered with my family as a beautiful country, a, a country of prophets, every beautiful country over there. But now, at the same time, it's considered as a most worst country in the, in the world. Anyway, <coughs> first, I want <coughs> to say thanks to God for all love for me and for my family and for brought me here. Look like he took me by his hand from the worst country, it's considered now the worst country, to here. Send all his tools to help me. So I wish I, you know, have the, this moment before a long time ago to say thanks to the family who they adopt me and adopt my family here. <laughs> and they put me in the right way. So first of all, thanks God to send this lovely family to me and thanks to Nelson family, for all of you and all the friends. We always, most of you here that you helped me in all my life and all my you know, steps in my family. My short story is I used to work in very bad place when I came here to help my family to live, especially I don't have any family here in the United States. But so you have a church family and all the friends have, here. Now I have, yeah. But anyway, I used to work in Moscow as a cashier, I never did that before. I never even smoked any cigarette in all my life. But you know, when you came here, I have to work. I have to, you know, bring food to my family. So, cause God love us, and God, God love me and love my family. He sent this lovely family, Nelson family, to help me with that and help my family. They took me from this bad place. And cause I am, I am already an engineer. So they put me in the right way, they helped me, they shared food with me, they shared their home with, with, with me and with my family. They taught us, and all the friends that with them, they taught us how to live in this culture. They, they, worked, with, they worked with us on, on our language, our English language, and I'm really proud of you, and thank you to all of you. Thank you so much. Did you say that you were adopted? So you don't know who your father really was? All of, all of them, Nelson family, they adopted me and raised oh, they adopted you. Yeah, Nelson all family. the family. That's good. Mm -hmm. so, so you don't know who your grandfather was? <laughs> then, then, then accept me as my grandfather. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm your grandfather. Thank you so much. That's the first Great. part of the church family. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. Mm -hmm. Anybody else that would like to just say something about the father, Father's Day, the family. Please. Well, I just came on Father's Day would be really a precious moment for me. Happy Father's Day, James. It was, it was sad this morning, Pastor, when you say all the fathers stand up and serve us this morning. James has been a father to all my kids. I can't see how he ain't a father. If you ask him for something, say, James, do you have, okay, I'm here. I was here five, five years ago, right? And I'm here today. And I thank God for being here. But this morning when I came and you said, all the fathers stand up and Jim was sitting there and he didn't stood up, I, he didn't stand up, I said, well, it must be happy. That's Dr. Dr. Trutt. Dr. Trutt, yeah. the, the teacher at the School of Dentistry at Loma Linda. 
Stand up, please. We want to honor you yes, being a, a real father to A real father. When I say a real father. Why I have to say a real father? Because when he met Mala, my daughter, and um, he told her, well, just a long and short story. He told her he would be, he would take care of all her siblings. And he had taken care of all her siblings. Wow. So he is a great father. The boys kind of say they want, I said, Jim, do you have a shoe? Do you have a shoe for one of the boys? Jimbo said, you think? Yes, sir, we try. So he went. He said, wait right there, wait right here. And he go, and he, he come back with six pair of shoes. <laughs> do it. <laughs> he said, well, Lindy tell me that she want a pair of shoes. And she said, mother, what size is Lindy? I said, Lindy, you know, but I think it's seven or eight because she's as big as mine. He said, okay, wait here. I'll show you what I have for Lindy. He come with a six, a seven, an eight, a nine. So what better father do you want? And it has so many things. I said, Jim, do you have a, I want to get a, a, a carry-on to take to the plane. He said, okay, wait here. Jim come with six different sizes of carry Which one do you want? So. What a father. What a father. Jim, God bless you. And I pray that God give you long life, health, and strength. There is so much I want to say, but I know more people have so much thing to say. So let me be just give them a chance. God bless you, Jim. We love you. But just one question. Mala is your daughter, mm -hmm. married to Jim, mm -hmm. and he, you honor him to be a real good father. Yes. Do they have any children? They have. She said she have all my children. <laughs> I don't know why you didn't talk to me earlier. I My father know. had 14 oh, children. Yes. Mm -hmm. He deserves what a father he would have been to what his children. Father. Thank what you so much. God bless you. Anybody else? This is the time. Please. Feel thankful on Steve's behalf for all of your time. Yes. And since this is Father's Day, I'm so thankful that Steve has both the daughters here. Good. And in a little tribute to my father, who is the girl's grandfather also, since it is Father's Day, I see my cousin Dean, my brother Walter, and it was one Sabbath afternoon. Everybody was, the parents didn't have children finished eating first. We had all gone outside. Mother and dad and Aunt Bonnie and Uncle Hank were at the dining room table in the dining room. It had a big picture window, not like that window that goes to the mother's room. And all of a sudden, my cousin Jerry came started pounding on the pane of the window. And Uncle Hank jumped up because, I mean, you cannot break this window. She's just on the plate glass window. And just as he jumped up, he saw the tail of the car disappearing down the driveway. Very recent driveway we had at my house. And he saw the car disappearing. So he, of course, alerted everyone. My father went flying out the back door. My mother arrived at the back door, which was one story above where the garage was down below. And at that moment, they could see the tail of the car plunge down into the garden below. Oh. And my mother looked over the, out there, and my brother Walter was in his little yellow sleepers. You know the kind that have, I think he was in his sleep. Anyway, he was lying flat on the cement that had broken when the car crashed over him. He was lying flat under the car, because the car was at an angle like this, and he was lying under it. And she looked over, and she thought, he's dead. And she heard the cry. This is the most wonderful cry she ever heard. And meanwhile, all this happened. I had, I had been the one that instigated it. 
to his younger brother was at the wheel, and I said, oh, Roger, this is how you do it, because I couldn't bad shift, but, you know, you could shift. The hand comes out from the steering wheel, and he shifts. I said, this is how you do it, Roger, and I went like that. So the car just started going down the driveway when I put it in neutral, I guess. And so, um, meanwhile, with all the excitement, So we had a blessing this week, Father. I'll tell one more quick story on my brother. He went to school, and he believed in having a wonderful time. He called it spreading cheer. And he'd be off and about and out to visit all of his friends. never sold him it, even sold him anything. He rolled his eyes to me. Dad goes to meet everybody. Uh-huh. We go down to his mailbox in Sitton Hall. Mother's and dad. So. I don't know what to do. Yeah, so there's no, there's nothing you want to do. All right. You want to go? Good. Go ahead. Well, I'm Natalie. I'm a sister of Claire. And sister of Claire. In and listening to her talk, I realized how different it is that we don't college. know how some people love something or hate something. Yeah, and about half of the things in life are things that mean nothing. Yeah, and it's just you two. Yeah, like doing timetables in a car and going on hikes in the mountains. Wonderful. I think this is great. There's a few more people that probably are not able to find this place, but if they do come, they come. But I'd like to have you, you because you and your husband have been in the mission field, correct? And have served in many ways. And your husband has been a blessing to so many people. And you fathers have been a blessing to so many people. In fact, uh, I don't know whether Dean knows it or not, but uh, he's my doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for being my doctor. (laughs) And he's the one who said, oh, you won't have any problems. You'll live until 110. (laughs) In fact, he's got in his chart. He's going to live until 110. Well, I hope I can be coherent and incidentally I still do juggle and I'm testing myself to see whether my coordination is still okay so far so good but anyway all the fathers that are here and even the fathers to be God bless you we had a mother's day a little while ago we bless the mothers and we're so happy for all the mothers because if it wasn't for my mother I wouldn't even be here God used her in a mighty way. So tell us a little bit about uh, your mission field experience and the fact that I want you to pray for all the fathers and all the people to have a coherent heart. So go ahead. Well, it 
it was Austin Blue Day one day that we were up at his parents' cabin, and the way he proposed to me, he said he was in the restroom working over the, the he'd been over on his field parent project, and would I be willing to go along, you know, would I be willing to go with him, and I said yes, I would, so that happened up in the pine trees in Blue Day. Really? And Just on this mountaintop? Yeah. No wonder you wanted this special occasion here. And then um, we received an invitation to go to work somewhere in Zimbabwe. And at that time, the girls were tiny, tiny children, under, under three years old. And um, so we said, yes, we were willing to go. We talked to my parents and we talked to his parents. And they were not willing. It had just happened. There had just been some horrendous atrocity with some people being killed in that country that were foreigners. And neither of them liked it. And meanwhile, a letter came asking um, us to go to Nepal. And she looked at the thing and goes, they got Nepal's mixed up. You know, we have an Africa one. What's this thing for Nepal? They must have gotten put something in the wrong envelope over at the general conference. Well, they didn't. We went to Nepal. And my daughter and her husband have just been in Nepal just last week mm-hmm. with a bunch of students. Oh. So go ahead. And I don't know how much more you want. Well, that's good. What we want to do is now honor all the fathers in a special prayer and all the people that are here. And uh, we hope and pray that all of you that have come here for the first time or you have been here before, we want you folks to have a wonderful time in this church visiting, eating together, and just stay all afternoon, uh, and this is going to be just fine with us. Okay? So let's all stand and have the closing prayer. And all you fathers, again, put up your hand, and God bless you and honor you and give you peace and have eternal life. Would you please pray for all the fathers? Our Father, the one who is the Father of us all, whether we're children, parents, adults, single, you're our Father. And we want to honor the fathers that are in this room today. And we just thank you so much for the wisdom that you are willing to give each one of them. We thank you for the blessing that they have been, are being, and will be to the loved ones in their circle. Amen. And Lord, we want to um, pray that you would give them all wisdom to model after their Heavenly Father, because the closer they are to the love that you are, the kindness that you are, and the the um, forward-looking, I don't know quite how to say it, but we know that you see a future for each one of us that we're not even able to see for ourselves. But you have that vision. You see the potential in each one of your children. And I pray that you would bless the fathers in this room, that they will be your underservants, preparing the finest children with the fewest scars and the greatest capacities possible. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And uh, I'd like to give you a little bit of instruction. And that is, we will have many tables around and feel free to stay by and enjoy the food. We have a lot of food that has been brought here, and we want you to remain and visit with all the people that you haven't seen for a little while. And uh, what I'd like to do is tell you that uh, I, uh, I didn't quite bring enough. Because you fathers are 
breadwinners, bread earners for the family, I chose to bring for you a loaf of bread to help you as a breadwinner. And I think we're going to have enough for each one of you fathers. And God bless you for being the kind of father you have been. We're not all perfect, but we certainly, with God's help, have done our best. So God bless you. Uh, we are going to have a word of prayer before we partake of the food. So we'll do it now.